Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation and I'm your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And I hope that you're having a wonderful, stress-free build-up towards Christmas. And if you're not, then this is a great show to listen to because my guest today, Brad Kinney, is going to be talking about the Bushman way of tracking God. He's put out a wonderful book which all people on a spiritual path should read because he answers many of the questions that many of us on the path are, are struggling and, and wrestling with. So, Brad, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be with you today, and I hope we can stir some things up in a, in a positive, good direction. <laughs> well, I know we'll definitely be stirring things up, and it will definitely be in a positive direction. <laughs> so it would be great, Brad, if you could uh, tell our listeners a little bit about how you first got involved with the Kalahari. Well, I wouldn't believe it if someone told me, but uh, <laughs> uh, quite a few years ago, I was a university professor, and I had a dream. I dreamed not anything symbolic. I dreamed of a map uh, with coordinates and uh, a voice that said, go here, meet these people. And I thought that was crazy. And the following day, I received uh, a letter inviting me to be a visiting professor in, at the University of South Africa. And... Um, I said, well, I'll accept on the condition that someone take me out into the bush and meet the Kalahari Bushmen, the world's oldest living culture. So the dream came true. I followed my marching orders, and um, that's how it all began, with a simple dream with uh, no need for interpretation, uh, simply uh, you know, a command to say, go meet the original ancestors. I did, and my life was never the same since. So it's an actual location on a map that you saw in the dream. Yes, I was visioning at that time. Yeah, yeah, this had been precipitated by other experiences, but I, I was visioning um, directions that sometimes included a phone number. Peter, I once received a dream, and all I heard was the voice of the announced the phone number. I called the number, and it was a Lakota medicine man. Wow. That like, freaked me out. And so, so, I, let's just, so let's just backtrack. So obviously you'd already had experiences before the Kalahari experience. So what, what was the first sort of major trigger that, that took you on this, on this path? Well, I, I started out as a young high school student who was a, a traditional science nerd. I was in a small town, about 2,000 people, Smithville, Missouri, outside of Kansas City. And I went uh, to the International Science Fair and won the thing. Won the International Science Fair, got a scholarship to MIT, so I wasn't a spiritual seeker. I loved music. I loved to play jazz piano. But I was a, a scientific nerd. I spontaneously, one afternoon, had an experience that some might call a kundalini awakening or a spiritual awakening. But it was the classic melting of, of great energy and heat in the base of my spine. It rose and made me tremble and shake and feel a divine bliss and love that made me vision all night. I looked and saw a great white light in front of me about six feet. It was oval like a giant ostrich egg. And in it, I, I saw one icon after another of representations of the great teachers of, of, of spiritual traditions, one after another. And this thing sort of downloaded itself into me. It wasn't a conveyance through words. It was more affect, but its feeling, its energy was, was powerful. I knew my life would never be the same. It was blissful. There was no fear. There was no meta-commentary, no need for interpretation. It just happened. And afterwards, I kept my mouth shut, knowing if I told anyone, they'd think I was mad as a, as a psychotic and be hospitalized. So I kept it to myself. But that's when I started getting dreams and uh, visionary instruction to uh, find myself led to teachers to have a better understanding of what in the world had happened to me. That's how it began. Wow. And I, and I you know, sort of started with that secret in my life. And how old were you at that point? I was 19 years old. Wow. I that's didn't quite an know. That's quite an experience, and it's an important one because there are many people uh, awakening at this time um, with having no knowledge of, of what, it, what it means and, and where to go with it and, and who to tell and who not to tell. Uh, it is. So it's an it's important moment, important. isn't it? It's, it's, an ex it's the most important moment. I mean, I, I guess people have 
you know, different kinds of experiences of the same of the same type. I know it, to, this, to this day it was the most important experience of my life. And um, being a scholar, of course, the first thing I did when I could gather my wits is to go to a, a bookstore. And as I was walking down a row of books, a book, I'm not going to say it flew off the shelf, but it fell off the shelf. Maybe someone had left it on the edge. And uh, But it, it was an amazing synchronicity. I picked it up, and it was the life story of Gopi Krishna. That's the first time I ever heard the word kundalini, and that such a thing could happen. And so, you know, immediately I knew there was a frame that held an understanding, or at least a description of this experience. And um, and that's, you know, it wasn't until I, years later, was a professor, and went to the Kalahari and met the Bushmen, and found that usually in that age, um, uh, in the in the early adulthood, that some of their people who become what we would call shamans or healers or spiritual teachers, they call them Kalsi, um, they say that they experience God giving them an ostrich egg. Of course, that's the great oval light. And inside of it, they receive the gifts that enable them to um, handle, embody, and be present as someone who dispenses, as they would say, the arrows of, or if to say it differently, someone who has acquired a mastery, and I say that in a humble way, uh, of, of handling the life force to help awaken people's hearts. So then I knew, wow, you know, the oldest living culture in the world gets this. They all know what it is. And, <laughs> and uh, I had no idea until I you know, hooked up with them that there was a very uh, interesting way of talking about the experience in terms of ostrich eggs and shooting spears and, and arrows and, and that it was a very wonderful thing to celebrate and be happy about. So when you, when you first showed up uh, and to meet the Kalahari, how, how did that go? What, what was it like? Well, I, uh, Professor Peter Brown uh, from the University of South Africa drove me out, just the two of us in a bus. We go out into the second most isolated place on Earth, no water, no electricity, nothing. You know, we're just out there. And uh, we noticed we're about to r- run out of fuel. We, I mean, he, he was sort of uh, a little more ambitious in his certainty that we could pull this off than he should have been, put, and we ended up just rolling into an area that where I'd seen in my dream where the people were, the village where the Bushmen were living, and we ran out of gas. That's where we stopped. And they came running out of, uh, they came running toward us. And uh, the old chief, Chief Montag, which is the name for Moon Day or Monday, um, came and said, welcome home. We have been waiting for you. I mean, I know this is a, sometimes a cliched story among <laughs> spiritual seekers, but, but, but they said, they pointed to a tree, they said that camel thorn tree is where your soul will return uh, when, you, when you finish this life. Tonight we will dance and we'll be together again. That was, that was the first, that was first introduction. Yeah. Was, and what was that first dance like? Well, you know, it was a good dance. We danced all night, and um, Bushman dances are always, they always begin, and it's important to know about Bushman teaching that they teach us that, that it's as important to be absurd and ridiculous and tease one another to death as it is to be highly reverent about holy matters. So before a dance, everybody teases the daylight out of one another, and nobody's uptight about doing the wrong thing. It's all about getting leveled down to being the same, being human with one another in a way in which there's no pretentious hierarchy and, and no assumption that somebody's better than another. It's, it's just, just ruthless teasing, scaling everyone down to size. But when the rhythms start and the songs begin, click, something happens, and um, others have described the experience of dancing with the Bushmen as the holiest, most powerful, sacred ceremony on earth. Um, the fascinating, fascinating experience for me was to see that what had happened to me in, at 19 and how it led me to be a shaker, an ecstatic shaker, someone so happy that I can't help from trembling when I feel the surge of the life force through me was happening to the people. It was natural. They celebrated. Everyone in the community was there, children, young, old. People were laughing, and as we became more intense, we felt ourselves open to the sky. We felt ourselves have a relationship with the ancestors. It was a moment of eternity. Lawrence Vanderpost has described it as the greatest experience of his life. Even Yo-Yo Ma was taken there. You know, he, the, he was a student of Harvard. Yes, he went there. It's hard to believe, but he I found the account. It's written about in the Harvard University Alumni Magazine. He was taken there by one of his professors after he became a famous musician. 
And uh, he described it as the most divine, holy experience he ever uh, encountered in his life. So it's powerful for everyone who goes with an open heart. So we're coming up to our first break here, Brad, and so we'll, uh, we'll return with this absolutely unbelievable and wonderful story after we've, uh, we've had this break. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenterJourney.com for more information. Are you looking to discover who you really are? Do you want to know your true self and your soul purpose? Tune in to Sacred Light Wisdom with your host, Seti Nave. Let Seti be your guide to be self-empowered and learn about the magical arts. SETI's guests are made up of practitioners, teachers, and life-minded people who are interested in more than just going through the motions. You will learn to manifest your dreams when you tune in to Sacred Light Wisdom, Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on 7th Wave Network. Explore the infinite possibilities of the unknown. Learn about the mysterious and mythical realms through time and space. Realize your inner truth. Tune in to Spirit Walker with Dr. Jeffrey Pierce and co-host Cindy Pierce. Dr. Pierce is a true intuitive. He is legally blind, uses no cards, pendulums, or guides, and has been found to have 97% consistent accuracy based on testing by the United Kingdom Institute of Psychic Sciences Research Center. Listen for topics that others are afraid to address on Spirit Walker, Wednesday at 1 p.m. East, 10 a.m. West on 7th Wave Network. The new home for visionary positive change. 7th Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. And I just want to thank one of my sponsors, the NatureDoctor.com. Uh, take take a look at the banner and see the new line of whole food nutrients products for conscious living with the naturedoctor.com. I have with me on the show today Brad Kinney, who has written a phenomenal book which I advise you all to read. Get it as a Christmas gift, The Bushman Way of Tracking God. And Brad gave us a wonderful introduction as to how this all began for him uh, in the first segments of the show. And now I want us to get into some, uh, some details, Brad, about the spirituality of the Kalahari. And uh, you mentioned briefly the word gnome earlier on. Could you tell us what that is? Well, the words that are most similar to it that we're familiar with would include kundalini, or life force, universal life force, chi, ki, holy spirit, holy ghost power, all these many words, a wakan, that come from different cultures that point to energy. But for the Bushman, it means more than energy, because energy has a kind of physical science sound. It sounds neutral. For them, the life force mm, is something born of the heart of God, that God loves creation so much that in the act of creating, the love was expressed as mm. So mm is in everything, and everything that has mm expresses this great love through music. So, first of all, first lesson, kindergarten for the Bushman, for the Kalahari spirituality class, is that God does not talk. Any Bushman hearing someone say that they had a conversation with God would be redeemed as absolutely psychotic. For them, God only plays music, because God's only about love. You can, you can change the name God to Sky God, or to the Holy Presence of the Creator, 
creative, uh, creative spirit, however you want to use a metaphor for it. But the point is, for the Bushmen, it's music and rhythm, something that's got that swing, something that's got soul, that's something you feel. It's not something you're going to understand. Anyone who says you have to understand it in order to get it is lost. I'm speaking as a Bushman prophet. Yeah, right? sure, yeah. It's so ridiculous. But the interesting idea about Bushman spirituality is they have a notion that they refuse to explain. If you ask them what is, they'll say they don't know. Because it's about feeling. It's about feeling alive. You know when you've been touched by the divine because it's so overpowering and beautiful and ecstatic that you can't help but trembling or shouting a song. And that experience points to the presence of whom. But if you're in the Kalahari and someone's feeling them, at that point nobody says the word because that would be dangerous to say a word that has, that's been fully awakened. It's like the old days of the Hebrews. Nobody would say Yahweh because the name of the divine is too holy to utter. But for the Bushmen, they are mistrusting of anyone pushing the idea that words or textualities, books, libraries, or anything held in words really matters, other than the use of words that tease each other to bring us down to size. They are about feeling. They are inviting us to understand that the greatest bridge, the greatest rope, the greatest connection to the power of the universe is through opening our hearts and feeling it. We've been told that it's all a word game, that it's all about understanding. They're saying it's about standing under love. It's about being moved. It's about being shaken in a way that moves the core of our being to say yes to expressing joy in every moment of each and every day. And songs are really important. Music and songs are really important. And, and so in terms of your own, your own songs as a, as a Westerner, uh, do you use some Western songs as part of your sort of your, your message, your tune, or, or do, you, do you work with the Kalahari songs? Uh, both. It's whatever touches the heart. I mean, this is, not an, uh, this is an idea known to people that, that um, among many, most, I would say, shamanic and healing traditions, that the license, they don't, you know, to be an authentic healer in old school method doesn't require a certificate pasted on the wall. What it requires is being given a holy song. So that the old-school shamans and healers are those who received a song, either in dream or visionary experience, that touched their heart, awakened it. Awakened them to feel owner. The Bushman would say you have ownership of God. That means you have ownership of the feeling for God. Very important distinction. If you feel the presence of the divine, then you own a relationship, a rope, a connection. And then... Its source can pour in and through you and be, make forth, bring forth a situation where you're a vessel for the divine expression. So, where do you get your songs? It can be anywhere. It can be from a Broadway musical. It can be what? It can be something that's uh, improvised or scat. It can be completely from one culture or another recognized and tested, born in the moment. It can be even a nonsense sequence of sounds. It's whatever moves your heart most deeply that comes upon you and opens the door, kicks open the door for your heart to pour the life force. And, and that song obviously also involves this, this rhythmic movement or shaking or trembling that goes along with that. Well, you know, the bottom line is that the song has to have soul. I'm not talking about soul in the abstraction way that a psychologist would talk about it. I'm talking about the kind of soul that Duke Ellington had. The kind of soul in which his song, which is the only theology people really need to get at the core of their being, if it ain't got that swing, it don't mean a thing. So if something moves you, if something grabs hold of you, makes you want to feel alive in a vibrant, exhilarating way, then it truly has soul, and that soul connects you to the universal life force. And then it flows. It flows inside of you and through you and to others, and together we embrace something much bigger than our minds will ever possibly understand. I just wanted you to, to, to go back and, and talk briefly about the significance, because uh, I know it is significant, and I know the expression used in the book is called insulting the meat, which is all about this, this, uh, this bawdy uh, teasing of, of people. Explain the real significance of that for us. It's probably the most interesting teaching of the Kalahari, and one that we've only had a glimpse of when we've touched upon traditions that have a holy trickster or holy clown or court jester. The idea is that whatever anyone claims in words to be a truth, we should jump all over and mercilessly tear that apart, deconstruct it, not allowing any articulation or any particular utterance from a text 
to be held holy far longer than the very moment in which it was inspired to be alive. Which is to say, a Bushman would stand up and ask the Dalai Lama and the Pope to exchange costumes, saying that that kind of <laughs> playful change in the moment would create more healing than any act that they've done so far by remaining the same. Everything must change in order for the truth to remain alive. It's only alive in a particular form for a moment, for an instant. It must change again to be reborn, to have life force in the subsequent moment. Brilliant. And you mentioned, again, just briefly a moment ago, about ropes. Just, just talk, because I know that's another really important piece of, of, this, uh, of this spirituality. Right. Um, the Bushmen talk about our living universe as consisting of ropes. We might sometimes translate that as threads or lines. That there are ropes, there are threads connecting every living thing. And the Bushmen actually move from one village to another uh, through the world of spirit by accessing these ropes. And um, we might say they astrally project, they fly along a, a a highway that's luminous, a rope that goes along the horizontal plane. But they also say there's a vertical rope going straight to the sky village, and that rope you can ascend. You can climb just like Jacob's ladder and end up having a little chat with God. You can even, for them, meet God's family, because what God will be alone. For them, God has a family, sons, daughters, wife, husband, the whole lot. Up there, all the ancestors live, and there is a rope, they believe, that if you open your heart and you're fully awakened and you get completely filled with noom, which is to say, in their way of talking, you get fully cooked, that rope will just drop down from the sky. You walk over to it, and like an elevator ride up, you go. I had the experience several times, and it was extraordinary. You go up into the sky village, and in that visionary experience, in that mythopoetic realm, if we need to metaphorize it in a way that people can handle it in their mind, there you have an experience of being filled up, like the big gas station, filled up with the universal life force, making you so hot, vibrant, that anything you touch will spin like a top. You become, if you wish, a gas station, dispensing the universal life force for anybody who needs to be filled up. So you become a transmitter of this, of this energy when you've had that experience? Yes, that's, that's, that's how they talk about it. Uh, you... You're someone who, who passes it on, like a lightning rod and uh, like, like a gas pump. And how would that actually be done physically? How would that transmission take place? Well, it's interesting because we, we've heard about transmission and we've heard a lot about energy work, but most of what we've heard is called subtle energy work. The Bushman encounter with whom is non-subtle. Let me tell you a story. One of the first scholars, one of the first people to study the Bushman culture when he became an old man, John Marshall. He took one of the most powerful Qigong doctors from China to meet the Bushmen. And the Bushmen were all excited to know that another energy doctor was coming to visit them, so they, they danced and got ready. And when he stepped into the circle, they touched him. And when they touched him, he went into, he went into a coma. He was unconscious for two days. Let us say that the Kalahari energy is strong. It's raw. It is nothing that's non-subtle. Non I'm saying it's, it's, it is absolutely uh, a hit of lightning. And it's also hands-on. For them, the idea of keeping your hands off of a person would be idiotic. You want your hands on the person. This is true for many old cultures. I think touch phobia, you know, sort of a new thing. It's come into our civilization because everybody's afraid of touch, everybody's afraid of the heart. And I don't want to go into that because we all know what that's all about. But the old, old way is you get skin-to-skin -skin contact. And uh, one of my teachers was one of the great healers of Japan, Hosemi Sensei. She held the tradition of Seiki Jutsu, which was part of the Samurai way. And she said the very first thing a healer must establish with a patient is a skinship. The skinship means that your skin is comfortable touching the skin of another, and through that is the transmission of the life force, what she called Seiki, which, of course, is the same as. Mm. So the Bushmen are hands-on. And they sometimes grab each other in an ecstatic hug so that both bodies are shaking, trembling wildly. And this opens a whole new domain of spiritual encounter, of interactive spiritual transference. Most of the world has no clue exists, but is probably the most exhilarating, extraordinary experience in life. When you're in that, in, in that, because I haven't experienced it yet, I'm looking forward to it, in that ecstatic state of hug and when you have... Uh, I guess for me, I tend to do my work through meditation and, and stillness. 
So I, I guess one of my questions, and, and I'm assuming one of the questions the listeners would have, is when you're in that ecstatic shaking and you're having visions, how does that, how does that work, actually? It's, it's hard for me to, to, ask, to, to understand. So yeah. can you give us the best explanation you can? Well, being someone who likes to insult the meat um, in, the, in the true Bushman form, of course I'm going to say enough with sitting still, enough with meditation, move over meditation, it's time, time to shake. But that's, right. but, but, but that's only to get in the other side of the equation. The whole equation of healing necessarily requires both deep relaxation, that is meditation, and heightened arousal. It's a full cycle. You go way up and you go way down. You get highly still, you get, you get lowly still, highly still, you get highly aroused, lowly aroused. It's oscillating. And what happens is when we take only half of it, we mess up the whole cycle. And then we're going against the natural flow. This is why it's so difficult to learn meditation, because when you sit, sometimes you want to wiggle. And the teacher says, stop wiggling. And the book, Kalahari Bush would say, shut up, you're a moron. Let the body wiggle. Let it go wild. Let it dance. When it's sorted that out, it'll then go into a natural, effortless way of being deeply still. So if you dance wildly in a dance, you don't dance all night. What happens? There are times when you then collapse. You get tired, and you go then, but you're, you're so highly aroused and so congruently aroused, you fall into deep, deep meditation effortlessly and naturally. We're coming up to our second break, Brad. This is an absolutely fascinating discussion, and we've got lots more to talk about. The Bushman way of tracking God is Pititung for awakening to conscious co-creation. to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Wondering what the heck is going on on planet Earth? Feeling time speeding up but your energy slowing down? Then there are those strange physical symptoms, sudden life and career shifts, a sense of loss of identity or purpose. As we rapidly move into a new dimension, the old structures are falling away. How will we navigate what is new? After all, the Ascension doesn't come with an instruction manual. Hillary Harris hosts Ascension 360, Navigating the New World Energies, airing live Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave Network. Ascension 360. Tune in to see how it all turns out. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenterJourney.com for more information. Listening on a Higher Dimension. 7th Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. And I have with me today Brad Kinney, who's talking about the Bushman Way of Tracking God, a wonderful book, uh, and, and Brad has given us a great uh, insight into the Kalahari and their spirituality. But actually, Brad, I wanted you to touch on uh, a, a different aspect of your connections 
here, and this one is with uh, New Orleans. Well, I, I'm just delighted that you ask about that, because I tell people, if you want to really understand the Kalahari, you can get it by going to New Orleans. Because in New Orleans, you have what I predict is going to be the next spiritual movement. It's time. In fact, I'm going to announce it right here, Peter. The New okay, Age. Okay, good. Over. Please do. The New Age is over. Now it's time to move from the New Age to New Orleans. In New Orleans, we got the jazz kind of thing. It's improvised in the moment. In the moment, it carries the juice. It carries the blues. It carries the gospel. It carries the transformation of jazz. Because as Gershwin said, life is jazz. And as <laughs> Louis Armstrong said, everything we blow is life. So what we're talking about is a movement to the ecstatic and the teasing, the absurd playing of Mardi Gras, the making a carnival in order to open the heart and blow the mind so that life can move through us like a grand parade. It's time to move to New Orleans, where once upon a time, the first slave in America who really got set free on Sunday afternoons to dance in Congo Square showed us something that was new, something that was new that, namely, if you simply set upon the truths of your childhood and allowed yourself to play, you entered the holiest of religions. The most divine of all religions is play. Playing through movement, through teasing, through all the forms of joy that play embarks is the way in which you have a direct contact experience with the divine. So I love New Orleans. And as a jazz pianist, I'm somebody who feels at home in New Orleans. As someone who hangs in sanctified black churches because I like to dance down the aisles, it's like dancing in a dance in the Kalahari. There we're going to show anybody who wants to come down and have a transformation of the highest kind that's completely saturated in the deepest joy. Soon to come, within a matter of months, I'm opening up a shop in the French Quarter. It's going to be called the Mojo Circle. And with my colleague Hillary Stevenson, she and I are going to take people on a mojo journey. The mojo is the word for authentic, real magic, that which comes from our original ancestors, the Kalahari Bushmen, who traveled from one place in the world to another. Come on down, you hear, and we're going to serve a gumbo that mixes the best of all the healing traditions with live music and wild rhythms and spirited joy and insane laughter. Well, that sounds like a great invitation. So just just uh, explain, because I, I found this fascinating in the book, that the, the story about Congo Square and, and Jackson Square and, and the link between them. Well, in the middle of the French Quarter is a street, Orland Street, and on one end is, is Jackson Square where the cathedral was. Now, the cathedral is next to the courthouse, and that's where the slaves, if they misbehaved, uh, were sentenced and, and hung. A dark, dark end of a street. However, at the other end of Orleans Street, it ran into Congo Square, where once a week, slaves were permitted to be free and express their spirit. And that's when the world first knew about how people can get it on through rocking and rolling. And they first heard the rhythms that turned into everything you're watching on the television show, Treme, those of you who are familiar with the HBO television show that's celebrating New Orleans culture, that... The Mardi Gras Indians, the tradition of Mardi Gras, the bands, the marching bands, the brass bands, and jazz itself came out of the syncopation and the spirited musicality of Congo Square. And right between one place where they hung folks and the other place where they danced into the heavens was Bourbon Street. So if you weren't sure if you wanted to go to heaven or hell, you could just get drunk. So what a fascinating street. It sort of holds it all. The middle ground where you're not sure, so you get spun around so you feel a little dizzy and can't walk straight, or you go straight down a road where there's too much reason and judgment and people sentencing one person to be right and the other being wrong and leads to all the wars and conflicts and trouble of our times, or you go to the other end of the street and say, I'm going to stand and take a position for joy and ecstatic reaching for the sky because I want to climb the ladder. I want to go up the rope. I want to meet the ancestors, and I want to go past the limitations of mine. I want my heart to live inside a greater heart of a divine love. So there you all have it. In one street, the middle of the French Quarter, it's time everybody recognize that that's where we can go and find the swamp wisdom. That's where we can finally get spun by alligator mojo. That's where the mojo doctors are preparing to deliver you from the nonsense that's perpetuated, though with good intentions, through all the many ways that has now gone astray. You get so you're going to be heading this, uh, this center up in, in New Orleans? That's right. That's right. Wow, fantastic. Well, good for you. When do you think you'll be ready to get to Mojo? Grand opening, May 2011. Just oh, fantastic. For a jazz festival. Yeah, wow. Something to look forward to. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's talk about the, the, the elixir 
the, the, the drink. Yeah, that's a big one. You can people ought to know that uh, God's got a bar. You go to the highest bar in the sky, and you're going to get high in a way you never imagined. In all seriousness, the Bushmen know, and since they've been at this longer than anyone, we guess around 100,000 years, the Bushmen have known when you fill your essence, when you fill your whole being with, with the life force and it becomes part of you, that you're sort of always plugged in, at least every day you feel its surging power ripping through your veins, when you become someone committed to hunting, as they would say, the life force, expressing it in your relations, amazing mystery takes place. You don't know when it's going to come. It can come at any moment. It can come in the middle of a dream. It can come while you're dancing. What happens is you encounter a cup, a bowl. You, you encounter, you are given something to drink. And when you drink this magical elixir, it has a warmth, a heat that pours through and up your body. It goes down your spine, up your head, and all the way to your toes. It completely revitalizes, transforms. It's the same juice you get if you go up the rope to the sky god and receive. Because the sky god can hand you the glass there. Or it can be handed to you by an ancestor. Some of the Bushman elders I know carry a turtle shell. And in the dance, when they're feeling the presence of the ancestors, they hold that empty turtle shell above their heads. And the rain falls down. A holy water goes into the shell, and they share a drink of this, of this holy elixir, of this magical drink. I've experienced this several times in my life, and I have been led through my dreams and visions to other elders in various cultures who have also partaken of this holy water. Now, the funny thing about the Bushmen being great insulters, they call this Peter. They don't call it a holy water. They call it God's pee. They say God pees from the sky. I love that. It keeps the sort of levels us down and not taking ourselves too seriously. But you know from the world of alchemy and medieval uh, magicians that this has always been something highly sought after. There is an elixir. There is a fountain of youth. There is a way of experiencing a liquid that we drink and flows through us in a truly authentic, magical way. It's extraordinary. I get so excited thinking about it. I wish... If there's anything I could wish, I wish on this Christmas I could hand everybody a drink of Noom. I wish everyone could have a drink of the golden elixir. We would have instant peace for all times. Well, I'll take it from you for sure, Brad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll take a transmission. Can you do it down the radio? A, down the radio? <laughs> we're going to put a new bar in Bourbon Street. It's going to be the golden elixir. Oh, Come down. Good. It's a free drink. You can have a free drink of God's pee. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Absolutely. So I also wanted to to, uh, to talk to you about the the uh, the library of mystery that you you talk about in the book because there's a very some really important elements about that too. You see, when you live as as someone who values the hunt for a home, that you live to bring the life force into your heart. And I don't mean this as a power trip. I don't mean I'm getting power and being able to, because this is what's been a misconception of things like the secret or old school or, or old stories about shamanism. The alternative of love is opening your heart and letting the love flow. When the love flows, it just makes power meek, weak. Weak, meek power. Talk about strong, overpowering, beyond understanding mystery of love. That love, when it circulates through you and you're on fire, you burn with this divine love. When you are electrical, when you touch things and they transform without any effort or desire, it just happens because you're so plugged in. Mysteries start to awaken in your life. We've mentioned one. One was having a drink from the highest bar. But another that takes place that I was not prepared ever, even my wildest imagination, to know exists was what I call this universal library of spiritual wisdom. And what happens is that with another Munkausi, another shaman from the Kalahari, if the two of you are both full of the life force, you can hug each other and have this vibrant hug that creates such an amplified, intense surge of the life force that it prepares you when you lie down to feel a very, very high-frequency vibration in your head. 
And if you're lucky, you can't control it. If you're lucky, you will feel yourself sliding out of your body like going through a portal into another dimension where you are downloaded to sacred knowledge. This is why the Bushmen have neither a library of sacred text, nor do they have an oral custodian. They go to the mystical library and get a direct download. Brad, we're coming up to our final break, and we'll continue with this phenomenal story on, on our return. This is Peter Tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the Seventh Wave Network. Can you define your talent in six words or less? Are you using your inner resource, intuition? Listening to Joyce Anderson of Conversations with Yourself will work your intuitive muscle to discover your divine skill. Each week, your host, Joyce Anderson, will give you practical exercises to jumpstart your intuition, to live in your talent. From sports to business to music to food, talent is everywhere. Join Joyce and her engaging guests to hear their how-to stories. Tune in to Conversations with Yourself, Thursday mornings at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. And ignite your talent. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenterJourney.com for more information. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Just want to remind you to check out my own website, www.petertung.com, and all the pieces uh, that are there. And also, www.myheartcenteredjourney.com, uh, where we are building this beautiful chalice of energy uh, to bring us forward into the powerful energies coming into the planet at this time. Uh, tomorrow evening, Sherry Chase will be doing the second part of her pilgrimage, talking about her experiences in the south of France and at Chartres Cathedral, and I will be... Uh, adding my color commentary along the way as we, as we do that. And then uh, next week's show will include Dr. Len Lasko and Swami Biondananda, the cosmic uh, comedian, and we are going to be doing a tele-event in the new year, uh, Love, Learn, and Laughter. The three of us will be uh, doing a seven-part series of helping people on their awakening path from survival to thrival. And I hope you will, uh, you will join us for that. The information will be up on My Heart Center Journey, and we will be doing the show together next Wednesday uh, for the, the uh, Voice America show next week. So please do take a look at My Heart Center Journey. Some wonderful stuff coming up. So back, uh, back to you, Brad. And you, and you were um, talking about the Library of, of Mystery. Please return us to that. Well, the bottom line, Peter, is you don't have to read a book. In fact, I would say right now, everybody stop doing everything they sh think they should be doing to advance themselves in terms of spiritual growth. Turn around and do the opposite. That's what I learned from <laughs> Kalahari. Be an outrageous trickster. 
appease everyone with a good heart. Go for the big love. Tremble, ecstatic, dance wildly. Stop praying to God. Stop using words. Before you go to bed, stop praying. Stand on top of the bed and do a dance. Circle around the house three times. Shout like a wild banshee. Do anything that's the opposite of everything you've done. And lo and behold, if you're lucky and your heart is good and you really cry out sincerely so you're noticed by the gods, they'll want to play with you. And they'll just download an absorption experience. So what it is you need to know, what you're searching for, will just be transferred, transmitted directly into your heart. It's such a wonderful thing. I just want to shout and say, I'm so happy. I want everybody to know that they only have to let it all go. Because if they flow in a special kind of way that they knew once upon a time as a child, everything's going to pour down on them in a big, great rainstorm of spirituality. That's nothing more than the play of the gods who want to be silly with you. So, Peter, it's time for everything to stop so everything can go in another direction. So enough of the misdirection. Let us be souls who are hungry for heart-filled love, the kind of thing that made Cupid want to shoot an, an arrow into one another. We ought to open our shirt and put a target right on our heart saying, Bullseye here. Just write the words, Bullseye here in your heart, and peel back the shirt and wait for the gods to fire the arrow. That's all it takes. If you're soft, as the Bushman would say, ready, available, and enact the presence of one who wants it and sincerely ask for it by enacting the asking, not saying the words, something's going to happen. And what's going to happen is going to change your life, and your changed life is going to change everybody else's life, and it's going to happen like a wild avalanche. Laughter's going to spread across the country like a viral infection. And joy and ecstatic shaking and dancing in the streets can take down all the politics that are corrupt. There's nothing to know. It's just time to go. It's time to enter the flow of a sacred river that started in the very beginning in the driest sand of the Kalahari. So go to shakingmedicine.com, or if you want to check out the new thing happening in New Orleans, go to themojocircle.com and find out what's a shaking. Find out what's a stirring. Because there's a classroom waiting to pick you up. The only teacher you need to meet is the wiggle inside your heart. It'll move you to get steps going in the right direction, which is the opposite direction of every sign that's telling you that's the way to go. Of course I'm being silly, and of course I'm not telling the truth, because the truth that can be said can't be said. So feel what I'm saying and let that feeling awaken something inside of you that knows more than any teacher could ever say. Just expand on, uh, on, on softening, uh, Brad. Oh, yes. The Bushmen say we're all ready for the moon. We're all ready for the life force, but we've got to be made soft. And that's why we want to tease each other. We need to be made soft. Another way of saying it was voiced in the gospel when it says only children can enter the kingdom of God. You've got to go back to being childlike. Childlike wonder, childlike innocence, childlike play, childlike teasing, childlike know-how, which is not the knowing of a know-it-all adult. It's the know-how of how to play in the midst of every day that will bring forth the God's play. <laughs> you got me worked up, Peter. I, I know, isn't wanna... it great? I've got you into, into, into your real groove. I noticed in the book that you got into this groove at times, and you, and you got this beautiful way of expressing things. So we're probably running pretty close to the end of our time now, but so just give us a little word on all the distractions that, that affect our lives uh, in our world today that take us away from this, this direct highway to God. Whenever you're not shaking with joy, you'll be distracted. Any production of the mind is a distraction. Whatever truth the words may hold are only true for a second. You've got to let it go so the flow can go. And the thing about being alive is that you have to be willing to understand that in order to know yourself, you must change. In order to know another, you must change. In order to love, you must change, change, change. In the changing is the living, is the turning of the wheel of life. And all of these things we already knew. It's just a reminder to stop trying to know so you can own what you already know. And in terms of, uh, <laughs> I'm sure there are people now who are really wanting to get hold of your book and read it, and I strongly urge everybody to do so. Um, what is the best, the best source to, for people to get the book? 
uh, I think go to Amazon.com, and I want to say this. The thing about the book is I didn't intend for anybody to read it. I did it as an experiment. I had a dream that said sit down and get into a heightened state of gloom. Let the life force flow through you. Let yourself shake so wildly that it's probably not going to be possible to put your fingers on a keyboard. And what I did is I wrote that book with gloom. I didn't write the book. Gloom wrote the book. The energy wrote the book. It, I sat down for one month, and this thing just wrote itself. So when you read it, it's not a surprise to hear from people that they had a visionary experience in the middle of the night or they felt energy surge through them. The book is medicine. The book is mojo. I wish I could give it away to everybody. I wish I could just say, go steal a book from a bookstore. Read the <laughs> damn thing. If I could, I'd just hand a copy to everybody. It's not something I own. It's something that's a feeling that I own, but I want it to be shared with everyone because what you already know is the very thing that is the key to opening the door, the door to your heart that wants to come out and play with you and others whose hearts are starving for the dance of divine play. And you mentioned the uh, the trickster energy just now. Uh, give us one final uh, <laughs> trickster energy comment. Well, the funny thing about trickster is that anything you say about trickster is trickster. Because the saying of words is trickster. All words, the voicing of words is trickster. The Bushmen say that's why you got to get past language, because all text, including holy text, are trickster. That's why you never want anybody to read a holy book like the Bible, because if they read it with their mind, they're going to play tricks. Read holy books with your heart. When your heart is awakened, a holy book is like bread. It's like water. It pours into you. Don't approach it with your mind. It will play tricks with you. I should say you will play tricks with it. I should say... Get the mind out of the way and let the heart ascend. Let the heart be the whole of your universe and your mind a tiny speck inside of it. Not separate from it, but a tiny speck. Let the heart, the feelings, the awakened emotions be the next revolution of spirited joy. Brad, that's a beautiful, uh, beautiful way to finish and uh, with that heart wide open. And I really, really appreciate your time today. It's been a, it's been a phenomenal, phenomenal show. And I can actually feel that energy flowing now. It's just phenomenal. So, Brad, I really appreciate your time, and uh, I really wish you all the very best of the New Orleans project. Thank you so much. Thank you, Peter. See you in New Orleans. Absolutely. God bless you. <laughs> God bless you, man. Have a great holiday, everybody, and tune in next week to Swami and Len. We'll have another great show. Laugh, learn, and love. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Have a wonderful week. this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tong for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.